I feel whatever I'm feeling, what are you doing that can affect that? Are you setting boundaries? Are you saying no at times? Are you letting people know what you need or you don't need? There are actions you can take to help this. This is the Work in Sports Podcast. Here's VP of Content and Engage Learning at WorkinSports.com, Brian Clapp. Before we get into today's topic, which is a very serious topic about mental health, and I'm glad that we are discussing, this is Mental Health Awareness Month, so I think it's extremely timely. I do want to circle back. We brought up a couple weeks ago to the audience, to all of you, movies that you watched and loved and that when you watched them again, they did not hold up. Like you watched them maybe when you were younger, you really enjoyed them, and now you're like, yeah, that was pretty terrible, or that was just not as good as I remember. And the answers keep coming in. <laughs> People seem to really like this topic. So I'm going to hit on a couple of these. Uh, American Beauty. The person wrote, I thought that movie was so artistic when I saw it, but seeing it again, what a cringy nightmare that movie is. I think that's true. Maybe some of that's the Kevin Spacey Me Too stuff, but I also think the concept, when you go back to it, is pretty, eh, not not great. Uh, Titanic, long and boring. <laughs> I got to tell you, I think Titanic holds up maybe, but eh, I can see that for some people. I just like Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, every late 80s, early 90s rom-com, the misogyny is palpable. They listed 16 Candles, Pretty in Pink. Um, there was another one that I didn't even remember. There was a lot of them from the rom-com category, which was basically guys objectifying women during that era. Almost Famous. Okay, so this actually happened to me recently. I went back to watch Almost Famous again because I remember really enjoying that movie. And I watched it with my kids and thought, this is really terrible. So that one doesn't hold up. I agree. Two more, three more. Love Actually. People said that was really cringy. Animal House. I mean, come on. Yeah, there's some issues with that one. And Grease. Grease, a uh, person says, I am now convinced this is the dumbest movie of all time. There were three other ones that came in that I will fight people on um, because I believe they hold up. Number one. Star Wars. My lord, is that legal? I think it holds. Whatever. I'm not going to even argue with you. Rocky. Somebody said Rocky was boring. I, I will fight that. Wait a minute. No, it's just the way I talk. And Fight Club. I love Fight Club. I am Jackson Flame's sense of rejection. I think Fight Club is phenomenal. And I actually have watched it again recently and still really enjoyed it. So I refuse to accept those as answers. Those will not be included in this conversation other than to say they are junk. What a piece of junk. Okay. If you have more of those, by the way, or if you have other questions you want us to handle on Upcoming Podcast, please email me, bclap at workinsports.com. I try as best I can to incorporate everybody's questions into our topics because these are the things you want to know. You know, these are the important topics. So this one comes in from Robert in Chicago. Hey, Brian. I know this may be a little touchy-feely for your normal topics, which tend to be action-oriented and problem-focused, but I trust your opinion. So I wanted to ask you about mental health. I'm feeling really burnt out, stressed, depressed, exhausted, and overall, just bummed out. I thought my post-college life would be easier. This is not easy. I'm working two jobs right now, one in sports, one out of sports. I'm not here to complain about pay because that's only part of my frustration. I want to know, am I alone? Okay, so for clarity, 
Just to give everybody a little bit of background here, this question actually came in two months ago, and I have talked to Robert directly at that time. I didn't wait on this. I didn't just let this sit. But I think right now, because Robert and I had a good conversation, I think he's doing better now. I've checked in on him. I think it makes a lot of sense to resurface now because May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And the first thing I told Robert is, you're not alone. And I want to help in any way that I can. Now, caveats before we get into this. I'm not a mental health professional. I'm not pretending to be. Uh, if you're feeling like you want to harm yourself or anyone around you, please, please, please talk to a professional. I'm not that. But we can have an open, honest discussion here. We can talk about some things. We can dig into this a little bit. And maybe some of these things will help you. So to give it a little bit of perspective, before we jump into this topic, I want to be really open and honest with this community. I have 100% been where Robert is expressing himself and saying how he feels. I've been there. I left my sports career behind for about six years. I've, I got severely burnt out. Uh, I lost all confidence in my ability. I lost the love for the job. And what I learned from that was that I waited too long to take any positive action. I waited till I was burnt out to start taking any action rather than identifying the signs and trying to make positive changes before it got to a point of no return. I handled it poorly. Uh, and I hope that in some of this conversation, you'll know that this, the things I'm going to share come, of, come from a place of love and from a little bit of experience. So hopefully this will help a little bit. So you got to be aware of where you are what you're feeling, and what changes need to be made in real time. Which gets us into the first topic. Um, vacation is not a solution for burnout. I think a lot of people go through life looking forward to vacation, and they tell themselves that this narrative that says, that's when I'll get back on track. That's when things will, I just, I just got to get to vacation. I just got to push through, get to vacation, and everything will be uh, back on track. It's not, though. Because it's not solving the problem, it's just delaying the angst. And what I think has become very clear from this, I read a study once, and I'll, if I could find it, I did look for it this morning. If I could find it, I'd give credit. Um, but I, I couldn't. So, But I know this is a factual study because I did this at the time. I was researching this because I wanted to understand where I was at a little bit. It said that your emotional state right after vacation is actually lower than it was in the one month before vacation. So if you were feeling burnt out and you're like, I just got to get to vacation. What actually happens is you go on vacation and for part of that vacation, you may feel wonderful. That may pump you back up. But then when it comes to an end, you actually go down deeper than you were before. Your mental state actually goes beyond those levels downward. Because, I mean, think about it. It makes sense logically, right? You were waiting for this moment and now this moment's over and now you got to go back. And now you don't have something off on the horizon. Now you don't have something that says, uh, that's going to make me feel better. And that's when things will start to feel great for me. That's going to solve everything. It's not. Okay. Vacation is something you should enjoy. It should be a part of your life. It should be an important part of your life, but it will not solve things. Please don't interpret this as don't take vacations. That's not at all what I'm saying. What I'm saying is there's a root problem we need to address. We need to fix. We need to identify. So let's step back and say, let's get to the root. What's going on here? When times are good, or times are bad, or times are in the middle, take stock. Why are you feeling the way you are? 
what is making you feel good at a certain time? Is it a certain task or assignment that you're really into? Is it certain people that you are working with who give you energy and make you feel appreciated? Is it recognition throughout your organization? What is making you feel good? We tend to, as a society, as a people, we analyze when things are bad, but we don't spend any time thinking about why things are good. What is doing it to you? I know if I look at myself, I get energy from certain things that I do. This, this actually gives me a lot of energy. After I've finished recording this, I will feel really good. I like this level of connection with all of you. I like being able to share and help and guide. I know when I go talk in college classrooms, that boosts my energy. I feel really good about that, or I have a really good engaging conversation. I know when I coach my daughter's soccer team that I feel amazing after that. I've tried to spend time identifying why I feel good so I can lean into those activities. But if you don't know what those things are that spark you or make you feel good and special, you will not be able to repeat them or advocate for yourself. On the flip side, why are you feeling bad or why are you feeling in the middle? Write these things down. Really think about what sparks your feelings either emotionally, positively, or negatively. Once you identify what those emotional drivers are, now you can determine, is this something that's fixable or is this something that I need to change? For example, you may be like, my boss is a nightmare. They make my life, I'm stressed, I'm anxious. I don't feel like I ever do anything good enough. They are all over me all the time. That is a good thing to identify and to zero in on as it relates to your mental health, but it might not be fixable unless you make change, right? You might need to say, this is untenable. I need to leave. Matter of fact, that reference that I gave earlier of why I left my sports career for six years was exactly like that. I hit a point where I was like, I can't work with this person anymore. Can't do it. And I'm out. I had to make that change. Felt a lot better afterwards. Not going to lie to you. Now, you could also say, I've determined that I'm happiest when I'm writing content, I'm editing videos, I'm going to events, I'm managing a large event, I'm traveling to trade shows. You can fix this by advocating for those experiences with your boss. You can go and have a mature conversation and say, this is what I love. I'd love to do more in that area. Fixable, right? Maybe it takes time. But if you don't advocate for yourself, you don't speak up for what you know is driving, making you happy, is emotionally driving you in a direction you want to go, then you're only hurting yourself. So I'll use this example too. My wife often struggled with feeling sick for a long period of time, just always felt off. And she was listening to her body and saying, something's not right. And she went to her doctor and the doctor said, what I'd like you to do is to really pay attention to how you feel after you eat certain foods. So connect these two things, the action of eating and putting things into your body and then connected to how you feel. And we were able to, we, the doctor, not we, like I did anything. It was able to be determined by the doctor that there were food allergies that were affecting the way she felt. We're drawing a connection to not just I feel bad, but what did I do? I ate something that doesn't agree with me and that affected my feeling and my well-being. Now, again, I'm not saying you need to go do an elimination diet. I'm just saying, you know, draw conclusions from your way you're feeling. Start to understand those things that are happening to make you feel that way so that you can then make positive changes with it. Okay, next one. Learn when to say no. We are trained in this life to always say yes. 
and that's bull. I have a team member, not going to mention anybody by name. I have a team member who told me this week that he feels like he's at max capacity. I commend him for speaking up. I never would have heard, had the nerve to do this because I would be, would have been afraid it would have ruined my personal brand, that I would never have gotten a promotion, that nobody would have ever looked at me the same way again, that I would have labeled myself in a negative way if I said, I can't, or I'm stressed, or I'm at my max. And that's crap. It's so stupid. You have to know your limits and you have to advocate for yourself. But going even further, we, as a collective society, always say yes in our outside of work life. So balance that with your, your work life. You're always saying yes, and you're trying to please. And then your outside of work life, oh, kids need a chaperone. Yep, I'm on it. You need to volunteer for the charity event. Okay, I'll be there. We stress ourselves out in every function and we don't recuperate. And then we sit back and say, oh, why am I feeling stressed? It's because you haven't learned how to say no or set boundaries. When you start to think about the emotions you're feeling and you start to give them a label and you start to say, I feel over rot. I feel anguish. I feel whatever I'm feeling. What are you doing that can affect that? Are you setting boundaries? Are you saying no at times? Are you letting people know what you need or you don't need? There are actions you can take to help this. I'm not saying it's easy, but as a society, we need to accept that grit and grind, earning your keep, paying your dues is all kind of dumb. It's dumb. How about Let's work more efficiently. How about let's staff this appropriately? How about let's build positive workplace cultures? Let's support families. I know, crazy, crazy. But while we wait for that to happen, because that's not all within our control, you can control your comfort saying no sometimes, expressing that you can't do something. These are things that are within your control. So while we wait for society to change their attitudes about work and grind and grit, and all those stupid terms. You can change the way that you approach your capacity and acknowledge it and advocate and put some boundaries up. I found this really interesting. Credit to Liz Fossline and Molly West Duffy, who are authors of Big Feelings, How to Be Okay When Things Are Not Okay. Uh, Liz, in particular, is an amazing follow on Twitter. She's someone that I follow. She really explains burnout and mental health well and uses diagrams to explain the realities of life. I suggest you follow her. It is just at Liz Fossline, F-O-S-S-L-I-E-N. I'm not one of those like uh, managed by cliche type people who say, you know, I always say this one, there's no traffic on the extra mile, like that kind of thing. I don't like the cliche uh you know, motivation, but Liz draws these diagrams that put things in perspective. And to me, they're, they're very impactful. So I would follow her. But one thing she emphasizes in her book, along with Molly West Duffy, as I mentioned, is uh, breaking the stress cycle. And they gave this example, which I love. If you're stuck in traffic for hours, you don't immediately feel better as you walk through your front door. Your body will still be in the middle of a stress response. And if you haven't made it a habit on how to wind down, you'll continue to produce, uh, produce the stress hormone cortisol for the rest of the evening. So eventually, all that accumulated stress will catch up to you and you'll crash. Okay, we can all relate to that. This is very logical. What she uh, stresses and says that you should do to complete the stress cycle is that she gives seven things. Some of these you may not be comfortable with, some of these you may be. So just keep them in mind. Number one, cry. Cry, have a cry. 
that will help a lot of people. Number two, take slow, deep breaths to lower down your stress level. Three, do a physical activity. Four, laugh. Five, hang out with friends. Six, do something creative like writing or drawing. Seven, engage in physical affection like asking for a hug. Now, let's circle this back to sports. I've always told everybody that in sports, what happens is you hit the climax of your day at a late night point. If you work in the NBA and you're in playoff season right now and a game gets over at 10.30, 11 o'clock, you're working for another hour, you're still jammed, you're jazzed up, adrenaline's pumping, it's midnight. When I worked in the sports media, it was the same way. I'd hit my, the top part of my day at two o'clock in the morning sometimes, producing a show for the East Coast that would be on the West Coast at 11 o'clock in their prime time. But I would hit the high point of my day at two o'clock in the morning. You think of stress as a negative, but stress can also be tied to adrenaline. You need to figure out ways to bring that energy level back down too, or just to change your focus a little bit, or to, that stress cycle can be positive or negative. So uh, I used to go work out for a little bit afterwards, or I used to do some physical activity, and that would help me calm down. Because for a while there, I'd go get a drink at 2.30 in the morning or 2 o'clock in the morning, a lot of drinks. And that was a negative road to go down, and that wasn't solving the problem. So I started to work out instead, and that made a big difference for me. So stress cycle, figuring out how to deal with that and bring yourself down. Okay, one last point. I think this is super important. This is, my, this is what I think is the most imp important and impactful uh, point that we're going to make here about mental health. I think we need to redefine what success looks like. Have you ever worked really hard on something? Like it's, it's taken all of your emotional energy. It's been your focus at work. It's been this amazing project, something you've been tasked with. When you're at work, you're thinking about it. When you're not at work, you're thinking about it. And then you finish it and you feel nothing. No joy, no celebration, no sense of accomplishment. I sure have. I've had that happen a lot before. Sometimes I just feel relief, not joy. That's a clear sign that you're not aligned. What are you trying to accomplish? What are your goals? How do these activities contribute to that goal? Am I driving towards something I don't really want anymore? Do I need to change? All of this is scary, but let's put this in perspective for a second. If you were watching a horror movie and a person is driving alone down a dark road, country road, let's say, lots of trees, wilderness, no houses, no streetlights, and a fog starts to come in. What do you know is going to happen? Yeah, they're going to die soon, right? Okay, that's you as the person watching. But should that person driving, should they A, just continue down that scary path possible, be scariest path possible because changing direction is hard? Or B, stop the car, evaluate your life decisions, do a three-point turn and start heading back the other direction. Getting out of there, changing, making that move. When you're watching the horror movie, of course, you're like, what are you doing? Why are you going down that road? <laughs> Don't you know how this ends every single time? Put this in perspective for your life, right? Do you just continue? You see the scary road ahead. You know it's not what you want. You know the fog's coming in. You know it's going to end poorly for you, but you just keep going down it because it's easy, because it's momentum, because it's a path you're already on. Yeah, that's how we all act. Because change is hard. But when you're watching the movie, you're saying to yourself, turn around. You know what the right thing to do is. You know what the right thing for somebody else to do is. But we have a hard time telling it to ourselves. We have a hard time when we're in the moment saying, this isn't the path I want anymore. This doesn't re like result in the feelings that I want. 
This isn't going to get me where I need to go. You got to be willing to make those changes. You got to be willing to pivot. Do that three-point turn, head back the other direction. You're in control. You may not realize it, but you're in control. Furthermore, on this idea of success, I interview a lot of people for our work in sports podcast, and I will often ask high performers, do you ever sit back and celebrate your successes or is it always on to the next thing? Every one of them says, it's pretty much always on to the next thing. Grind, 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 but on to the next thing. I think that's messed up. I think we all have to do a better job of celebrating our successes and having some perspective here. You will always have a ton of things to do. Your to-do list will never stop. You will always have more to do today than you possibly can do today. That does not mean today is a failure if you don't clear everything off your list. That is an unattainable goal. You will not clear everything off your list. Prioritize. Set up your day. Tell yourself, these are the three most important things I need to do today. And if I get them done, today was a success. I nailed today. You will not get everything done, but you will quickly feel like a failure if that is your standard. If you're looking at it and saying, I need to accomplish everything in order to be a success or even a lot of the list, that's just not going to happen. Get that in your head. Prioritize. Try to work through those things that are the most important things. Look at those as successful. Sit back at the end of your day, shut off all your machinery and say, I accomplished something good today. We need to start to celebrate these moments more. Little tiny victories every day and then big victories on bigger projects. Nobody does it. Nobody's celebrating anymore. Nobody's happy with their accomplishments. They're always thinking about what's next. Unhealthy, not sustainable. So I'm gonna pat myself on the back for finishing this recording. I'm gonna feel pretty good about the advice that we're sharing and the help that we're trying to provide. I'm going to tell you how awesome our podcast is and that you should rate, review, and subscribe. And I'm going to look at this like a pretty darn good day. And I hope you do the same. I hope you figure out those triggers that make you feel good and you figure out ways to repeat them and advocate for yourself and make sure that they happen in your life. Thanks for the great question, Robert. Please, everyone, take care of your mental health. It's all you got, right? You got to work with what you have and this is what you've got. So... Take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and thanks for listening.